0: tomorrow night. Actually, until about, until about half hour, so I thought it was Wednesday. Oh, okay. Are you there? Uh, going upstairs? Uh, going going through Newark. Through, through Newark. Yeah. That's a pretty successful that's, that's direction usually make. You, know, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. so you know you around the world to get Should only be a safe muzzle. That's what you know you do there's the there's the penny fan and the 99-cents fan. Uh, the 99-cents the, the, the fan is this. The penny fan is this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd fly around the world to build
1: the penny fan. Yeah. Yeah, it works. It still works. Airflot,
0: maybe? I know some people have gone there. I've done airflot. I did airflot last year. How was it? It was actually very comfortable, large planes, really? good food. The you know, thing is, the, 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 the flight attendants so don't not smile, you a smile, the Russians. It's amazing you sit in your seat now or else I can do the gulags. <laughs> <laughs> I do <know>, <laughs> <tons of>, wow. <laughs> <laughs> a know, just Lufthansa, different. Yeah, you know, different right, with, yeah. different vibe. My cousin once said money, but she went uh, Turkish for the uh, Istanbul. I don't think Turkish. they would do it again. I, I did Turkish before. <laughs> the last war. Really? Before the last war. And then after the war when Turkey was involved with Turkey's, yeah. you know, saying yeah, I'm going to stop with you. You know they have good deals. <laughs> I mean now of course now, now. now, it's now great. It's crazy. So I'm saying even but there are people flying even even I'm, you know the people from Turkey. this crazy happening in Istanbul space for sure. I thought I don't know you know maybe well I thought one shot me after should be insulted and not be insulting no, uh-huh. uh, so just oh, that's even better. I didn't think of that. (laughs) You can always learn. You have enough room. Let's move this down. Oops. I didn't mean that right. Just move it down. So it's he's got room. Well, she was to mention a very special Jew, mm-hmm. Ali Rizal. Yes. That passed away. Yeah. Uh, yesterday. People know. Mm-hmm. I want to read you something. I, well, I read that and I was like, oh my God. I remember, that. I remember when I was a kid, I remember. Sixth grade, red night, red night, uh, seventh grade, maybe. Mm. And, you know, I don't remember much of it, but I remember it was very dark, it was very, uh, it was very, very, um, alpha, very powerful, very powerful. What's interesting is that Ellen Riesel, um, I if you find it, I think that was close to the was close to the Menashe Klein. Menashe Klein. Mm there was a great Hasidic Rebbe, the Ungvar Rebbe, and they went through the Holocaust together. Mm-hmm. In fact, Elie, Elie Wiesel and Asher Klein would actually speak every Arab Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Actually would call each other every Arab Shabbos. Um, and uh, there's a famous Mesa it's not identified that it's, um, it's not identified that it's, that it's Rabban Klein but it's, it's pretty clear that it is. In um, one of Elie Wiesel's books, he talks about right after the Holocaust, they tried to get a minion in one of the camps. I think it still was in the concentration camps, but the, it was under, at that point, the purview of the Americans. And he tells a story, he tells a story um, where he was asked, he was asked to um tell the story asked to join the minion. Asked to join the minion. And and he he was very I hear it. He asked to join the minion. And, um, and, and, uh, and El said to the, said to the person that asked him after, after what just happened, after what just happened you're going to tell me you're going to pray to God? That's what Elie Wiesel said. So he said, a rabbi told him, the rabbi responded to him and said, and after what just happened, you're going to believe in man? Mm -hmm. Who else are you going to believe in? Not God. In this this little article here, after the war in the DP camps, Elie Wiesel's father asked, the Ungvar Rav, the watch over his laser, that he remains a full year. his father was Nifter in the DP camps. I think he was not father, was Nifter in the DP camps. And the Ungvar Rav kept the catcher with Ellie until the until theater was five years ago. Well known, well known they were close. Ali would call the Ungvar Rav every Friday. and he missed the Friday, the Ung Rav requested I get Ellie's number. When he got Ellie on the phone, he apologized and explained he was traveling without a cell phone. <laughs> the Ungaran asked me, Do you can't speak for them? What does that mean? Do you have to speak for them? You can't talk for them? Yeah, you can. you can't speak what? for them. The, can't speak uh, yeah, for them. I don't know if it's a tactic. The Ungaran verified mm-hmm. the Eli with the Shomer Tarmitzis. The Shomer Tarmitzis at one point about 11 years ago. He sends me. This is the person mm-hmm. right. Round trip by cab to been Manhattan apartment to pick up his filling, bring it to a sofa to check, and bring it back so Ellie can wear it the next morning. Tulum, 100 percent kosher. In mm-hmm. another case, remember I clipped a picture in the New York Times with the caption Ellie Wiesel's empty seat." Ellie did not attend the memorial for politicians that took place on Shabbos. Absence was noted by well, oh, Absence was noted by no, it's The New York Times. Mm-hmm. We missed. So it was a, it was a very. A powerful, memorable person. He's a father. Some Malia. Yeah. Different types of Jews. Different types of Jews. Okay. So it actually, it fits very well to what we're going to talk about tonight. In the Hashem. It's the pressure of Korach. It's the parsha of Korach. And. Um, And I want to first present eight questions on the parasha. Uh, we'll talk about a combination tonight of uh, beautiful comments of the Rabbeinu Bechayeg, one of the classic Rishonim on the parasha, and combine it with the Moshe Wolfson, who is one of my favorite uh, contemporary, beautiful Balai Machshove, beautiful, deep thoughts on the parasha. A little bit of Rav Tzadka Kohen, a little bit of Maral, He's understand the, to understand the parish in a deep way, there's Hashem. So, here we go. So, if we take a look at page 820, we know Korach, we always we always um, equate Korach with the word, that's the name of the word? That's the word that we equate Korach with? Machlokas, division. Right? Korach is the, is the Baal, basic Baal Machlokas. And the punishment of Korach Punishment at least of least the, of, the, of the Adas Korach. Korach, it's a question what happened with them. But what, what was the punishment? What happened to them? Let's say the, the people that were in his camp, camp. What happened to them? They were what? Well, they were Shabbat. swallowed up. They were swallowed up. Right? And they want to uh, ask a question what's the meaning of why they were swallowed up? In fact, Moshe Rabbeinu seems to be that Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that was Mechade. She was the one that. That he he was the one that sort of uh, Rabbi Yehudah Kamenetsky understand, but also it seems he Kshutos Hamikra Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that said in Yivra in Priya Yivra Hashem that Moshe Rabbeinu sort of felt that was a necessary uh, consequence for Korach's behavior. And the question the question is what why what's the quid pro quo? What's the mediator mediator here? Why why? connection between machlokes and being swallowed up swallowed up raise that we'll try to answer that at the end so what happens the Torah says look at please page 820 so Korach took so Rashi famously points out Rashi wonders there's no there's no subject to the verb right the uh the Baruch knew, knew how to write Hebrew and English, but it's it's missing the subject. So what Korach took, what did he take? And 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 So Rashi has a few explanations. One is he took himself. He wanted he, he wanted to create to foment a revolution. That Korach had stark He had specific complaints, strong complaints against the kahuna, against the monopolizing of the spirituality. That is mm-hmm. that is one explanation in Rashi. The second explanation is the that Korach took people he, he convinced them with his words and although Rashi explains it to be referring to he, Korach and his people, Korach and Dasan and Aviram and On they took the other 250 men who we will identify in a few moments, but uh, according to the Rabbeinu the he says it means Korach took Dasan and Aviram and he took On Korach was interested in creating an alliance (coughs) of people who would create some type of tremendous rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu and the question is what was Korach what was he really after? what was he trying to achieve? what was he trying to accomplish here? Um, and what did he think that he would achieve through these um, protagonists again we have Korach we have Dasan and Aviram. We have On, and we have the 250 men. Why are they brought in to what Korach has to offer? Um, and we'll see in a moment who these individuals were. Very interesting comments of the Medrash, etc. And if you take a quick look, take a quick look at the uh, at Rashi those that are able to look inside Rashi Rashi tells us something very interesting Rashi, I'm looking at the very end of the right column on page 820 what did Korach do? Korach was the last line Ma'asa the very last four words Ma'asa, Amad V'Kines Matayim V'Chadishim Rashi Sanhedraot he took 250 men who were these 250 men? They would not stop men. He took 250 people who were heads of Sanhedrin. That means that there was a a court system that had high court and lower and lower. But these were 250 prominent rabbinic leaders, Torah scholars. Ruvan misheveth ruuvein shechina. Many of them, majority of them, were from ruuvein, the tribe of ruuvein. In fact. Own Ben Pelet, and Dossam Navirim were from Reuven also. The Haim Elitsur Ben Shteor V'chameira V'chayotzebo And included in that was Elitzur Ben Shteor whom you may remember but he was from one of the he was the head of the tribe of Reuven. The head of the tribe of Reuven. And he was the one that he was among the people that brought the special gifts at the end of Parshas Naso, the dedication of the Mizbeach of the altar. We're talking about very prominent people. And Rashi says Elitsur ben She or Vihadeira. And it could be that Rashi means and Arveda Bahayah explains that Rashi might mean not just Eli ben but the other heads of the tribes as well fell into Korach's trap. The other heads of the tribes as well. So this is this is this is pretty highbrow. Isn't uh, Korach looking for the uh, looking for the illegal immigrants you know, trying to bring them together. This is Korach going to the, to the intellig- intelligentsia. This is Korach going to the the highest levels, and we need to understand what, how did he do it? What did he do? What was what was his contention? What was his contention here? So let me first share with you a um, very interesting comment of the um, a very interesting comment of the Reina B'chayi in this in this context. So the first question we asked was. Um, was understanding why the quid pro quo, why the quid pro quo of being swallowed up. The second question we're going to talk about for a moment is who are the protagonists? Who are those that that joined, that joined Korach, and what was in it for them? So Rabbi Yehuda says it's follows. It's a tiny bit complicated. I'm not going to spend a lot on this and all the details, but and there are, there are some points of dispute, but he says as follows that um, Dasan and Aviram were from the tribe of Ru'uven and the tribe of Ru'uven was upset with Moshe why? because he says Moshe took away the birthright from the tribe of Ru'uven Moshe took away the birthright from the tribe Mm -hmm. of Ru'uven therefore Rashi also says many of the heads of the Sanhedrin of the 250 men, were also from Reuven, because they wanted the birthright. But Moshe, in their version, in their understanding, it was Moshe's own decision to take away the Bechorah from Reuven. And in fact, who did he give it to? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Levi. That's not what the Rebbeinah B'chaim says. He said he gave it to Yosef. Because what is the Bechorah? One aspect of Bechorah is a double portion. So remember, who? Oh. there are 12 tribes. Ephraim and Menashe. Right? And Ephraim and Menashe. Menashe. Yeah. Each one's a unique tribe, and so he says something fascinating. Again, I'm aware that not everybody says this, but he says that they they suspected Moshe was, wanted his his prize student. Who is Moshe's prize student? Yoshua. That Moshe Yoshua is from the tribe of Ephraim. His prize student was from the tribe of. Ephraim. So he gave him. He Moshe gave Moshe gave him his own his own special. You know, he's he's in. So they suspected Moshe of nepotism or what they call an isopotexia, vitamin P. Mm-hmm. Right? And and so too, so, so therefore the people from Reuben were upset and Dossan and Aviram was upset. Right? And then, so that's that's from the tribe of Reuben. And what about Korach? What did, what did he want? So, Korach was a Bechor Korach was a firstborn and so Korach as the firstborn was upset because you might, might remember that the tribe of Levi the tribe of Levi were uh, took, took, took the Avoda took the job from the, took the job from the uh, Bechorim and therefore the Rabbi Mechayi says that many of the 250 men were also Bechorim and Korach understood that he was able to bring him, bring them on his side because they had the same gripe. So you had Reuven, the people from the tribe of Reuven; they wanted something. You had the firstborns, right? They wanted they wanted service in the base of They wanted service in the temple. The tribe of Reuven wanted wanted to have a double tribe, right? They, so they all they didn't have necessarily the same complaint. But the United complaint was that Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu stole something from them that was rightfully theirs, right? So um, there are not necessarily permanent allies but there are permanent interests. So you can have people that share a common enemy, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was, was the target. Furthermore, furthermore, the Rabbeinu Machai points out, if you take a look for a moment, um, in, in, in page 822, Moshe Abenu says at the end of verse 7, chapter 60, verse 7, when he has the famous Kitores standoff, at the end of verse 7, he says to them, mm-hmm. You, the children of Levi, You've had enough. Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking to the tribe of Levi. Moshe is from the tribe of Levi. So why are they complaining? Why are the tribe of Levi complaining? We understand why Reuben is complaining. We understand why the first boys are complaining. Why is the tribe of Levi complaining? So the Rabbeinu Bechaye explains that the tribe of Levi, um, they, wanted, they wanted to be... Um, they, they wanted to not be given over to Aaron and his children right they wanted also to be Kohanim right so the tribe of Levi wanted to be Kohanim the Bechorim wanted to be Levi'im, and Ruve wanted right To you know, he wanted to be the he wanted the double portion so you have a lot of a lot of discontent sowing the seeds of discontent and so therefore they're able to come together and the Rabbeinu Bechai said something really amazing I just want to read to you this is really an amazing piece And it's really a standalone piece on some level, but we're going to come back to it on a deeper level. The Be'er B'chai says that this is all about jealousy. He says that the seeds of Korach, on some level, on some level, we'll see, it's much deeper than that, it's all about jealousy. And he says, he quotes the following, expresses the following idea. He said that, the nature of kinna is the nature of jealousy. The insidious nature of jealousy is that even when you get what you think you want, even when you achieve the goals that you think you that it would be enough for you, there's always more. And therefore, in Yagi yagir vizel, avas <laughs> Bakashas, b'kashas minei le'mshal. So, if you have enough money, so then you, then you want to become the president, right? You want to, you know, it's not enough, right? And if you became the president, then you'd have to figure out what's next, right? It's a to bed for President Obama, right? He's, he's, what is he going to do? So he wants to take over the UN or whatever it is. There's always more. There's always more, right? And, and if you don't get it, call Yamav Mach Your whole life is full of pain. One who is seized by jealousy. And therefore, Shoma Malch writes, Rekevat Atzamos Kinna, in Mishlei 1430, that the bones rot rotted by Kinnah. and he quotes other pesukim and Chazal. Tell us in Pnim Yavos, kinah va'ataiv olah. That jealousy and desire and, the, and seeking honor takes a world a person out of his world. Meaning that you're so you're so not enjoying the world. And he he tells us the Rebbe B'chai he tells us that Shlomo Amelch writes in Kohelis in that famous line, Ra'isi ani kol amal. I've seen all the toil that's called Kishon Hama And I've seen all of the efforts that go into acting. I see all of the of all of the toil that a person puts in when they are enveloped by jealousy. Gamze Ruach. Ruach. So everybody translates hevel to mean what? Vanity, right? It's vanity and it's a bad spirit. So says He says that 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 when a person is seized by this jealousy, then, hevel says With this sin, hevel, hevel of Cain and hevel fame, right? He was caught up with this sin. Hevel faltered out as well. Because Hevel was jealous of Cain, his brother. Because he he was jealous of Cain. You always think of it the other way, right? Cain mm-hmm. Kain was a bad guy, also, right? But he, but Hevel died. <laughs> Hevel was one that was killed. There's got to be something wrong with Hevel, also. There's got to be something wrong here, also. And says Rabeinu Bechaye that Hevel, again, it's very surface analysis here, but but there's much much deeper as well. But the kinah, the jealousy of Hevel, brought to hatred, which brought to fighting, which brought to which brought to destruction. And this is the Churban HaOlam, and the Malachi Hashares, the angels were jealous of Adam Arishon, and and they caused Adam Arishon to to have a fall, right? And they took away his big day asehel, it took away his it took away his his begadim, right? And they, he was forced to wear other clothing. And the Shekhinah was lost from the, from this world. He was kicked out of Gareden. And so too the kinna of Korach. The kinna of Korach caused him to lose this world. Right? One of the main lessons, the main lessons of, of Parshat's Korach is look what jealousy can rot. A person can... can can put themselves in such a bad spot. It's an unbelievable thing. And we see this all the time. We see this all the time. So again, there's a lot more in terms of in terms of the particular details there. But but the Nikuda, but this 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 notion this notion of kinnah being causing Machlokas is certainly a piece of the action. Okay, so that's what, so what brings them all together, it's their different jealousies. Their different jealousies, according to the Reign of Now, Rashi continues, and Rashi says that, that Moshe brought them all together. Moshe brought all these people together, and he created a standoff against Moshe. This is famous created a standoff... Sorry, what did I say? Korah, yeah, Korah, yes. Korah brought them all together. And he created a standoff against Moshe. What was the standoff against Moshe? So this is the famous thing. We need to understand this in a deep one. Rashi says, the top of the left comma, page 820. He takes all of the heads of the Sanhedrin, right? He takes Elitzur ben Shteyor and... The, from Reuven, and he had them all wear talasim. He had them all wear a completely blue talesim. Talitos shakulan chalas. Moshe, And they all stood before Moshe. Imagine this image wearing a completely blue talis. Without without the strings. Amru. And they said to Moshe, he said to Moshe, they said, Talis sekula kula tchelis. A talis that's completely blue. Do you need strings or not? Chayevus b'titis oktura. Amar al chayevus. He said it's absolutely obligating. They began to make fun of it. Evshar, how could it be? If you have a talis, shal min acher. If you have a completely white talis or white strings, and you have one string of tchelis, chut echod shal tchelis oktura one string of tcheles it's all you need so if the whole garment if the whole garment is blue doesn't it make sense that you shouldn't need to have blue, you shouldn't need to have any strings or blue strings again, it's a little bit unclear what's going on here first of all, why does Rashi is calling the Medrash but why does where does the Medrash bring in the titus connection do anybody know? Where's the tzitzis connection to Korach? So if you look at the previous parsha, parsha Shlav, oh, it ends right with, at the uh, end, it ends with tzitzis. <laughs> so the Medrash says, the Medrash says, that Moshe and Korach brought Moshe to this tzitzis showdown. And he said, if you have a completely blue garment, it makes no sense to say that you need to have the blue string, the blue tzitzit's around the Around the white strings, it makes no sense. Or if you have a complete, if you have, if you have um, one string of blue, and that's enough for the whole white. So if you have a completely blue garment, doesn't it make sense that you shouldn't need to have any blue strings? What's this? What's this that about? What's Karach saying? What's that? It's a So we need to right. We need to understand a little bit deeper what's going on here. What's going on here? Furthermore, it is a mashal. We're going to see in a moment. Furthermore, the Medrash continues, and the Medrash says that he used another argument. The famous second argument of Korach was: if you take a house full of Sifrei Torah, a house full of imagine like a room full of Sifrei Torah, he turned to motion. He says, "Does this house, this room, does it need a mezuzah? Does it need a mezuzah? What do you say? Let's start off with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah now so what did Moshe so said of course to this so Korach says why should we do the mezuzah what's in the Sifat Torah what's in the Sifat Torah are the, in the language of the Medrash 275 partials in the Torah we don't really know how the Medrash uses that number because our counting is much different but we'll see in a moment perhaps the significance of the 275 but the Medrash says 275 sections in the, in the Torah and, and in the mezuzah how many sections are there how many sections are in the mezuzah there are a total of two right, people often confuse Tefillin and Mezuzah tzvilla is 4 and, and Mezuzah is 2 so there's the Shema right Shema half that's 1 and B'hayam Shema that's 2 so, motion, so Korach has the Moshe you're going to tell me that this rule which has the whole se- separate Torah many se- separate Torah requires a Mezuzah doesn't make any sense so Korach uses these type of tactics right to try to to try to undermine Moshe so what's what's going on with that What's that, what's that? about? What's that? What's Korach's argument? What does what does argument? Um, furthermore, well that's a, that's a third question. What does argument? A fourth question. Moshe Abenu turns Moshe Abenu turns to the people, and he says he says to them, "You're going to be punished." Right? Again, there are different pieces to this whole section. But if you take a look at chapters sixteen, verse twenty-eight chapter 16, verse 28. Take eight twenty-six. By Yom Moshe, Moshe says, With this you shall know. You should know, says Moshe, that Hashem sent me to do all of these things. In other words, that I didn't give Aaron the kahuna gedola, that the Leviim were complaining about or the Karp was complaining about. I didn't give it myself. It's not coming from me. When I didn't assign Elitzafan, the son of Uziel, who I didn't mention before, I didn't assign him to be the head of the tribe of Levi for myself. It was not from me. Kilomi Libi. You should have... Because we see from Moshe's... We see from Moshe's defensive response that they were accusing Moshe of what? Of that it was all... It was all coming from Moshe. We see that they were... They were accusing Moshe, and it was all coming from him. That's a little bit strange. Why? Because we know they knew Moshe was the Nosin HaTorah. Right? They knew that Moshe Rabenu was like the uh, was the man. So why would they all of a sudden accuse Moshe of like of creating these false structures? They knew Moshe Rabbeinu at this point had given and he had come down the mountain, right? Why are they now accusing him? Kilo leave me Like I, you think I'm making it up. And he has to respond in that way. Why do they think he's making it up? Now listen to an amazing comment by Yerizal. This is where we get a little mystical. Yerizal says, Yerizal says, it's brought down in the svarim? that Korach, we just, we mentioned, but we just, we just trashed Korach, right? He said, kinah and jealousy, and he's, you know, very difficult and all that. Yerizal says, that Korach was with shame Shamayim Nizkavim. Korach, he had holy intentions. In fact, says Eriza, if you want to know who Korach is, you can find Korach lurking at the end of the Song of Shabbos. Riz shil Yom HaShabbos At the very end we say Sadiq, Katamar Yifrach a tzaddik, like a day tree, blossoms. And if you look at the last letter of those three words, tzaddik, oh. katamar, yifrach. Wow. The end of tzaddik is kuf. The end of katamar, like a day tree, is resh. Yifrach is ches. it's korach. And it says the Arizal that korach had tremendous righteousness and had really... Very holy things in mind. In fact, in the language of the Rizal, he wanted to bring the world of Tikkun much closer, and he wanted the Leviim to be Kohanim. He wanted the Levium to be Kohanim, and we'll see in a moment. And he just missed the timing. So my question is: the Arizal seems to be giving us a totally different. What does he mean, right? But will the real Korach please stand up? But is it the Korach of Kina, or the Korach of righteousness? How do we reconcile these two ideas? After have to. I have to uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, do it. sorry, Furthermore, furthermore, the Medrash says, the Midrash says, Korach, when the Medrash talks about who Korach lineage was, the beginning of the parasha tells us on page eight twenty, by yikav Korach ben Yitzhar, Korach the son of Yitzhar, the son of Kahas, the son of Levi there's a lot on why does the Torah give us the lineage of Korach but you know again you have to sort of be a little bit aware of the of the the verbiage of the Torah but you know the Torah tells us that Korach the son of Yitzhar the word for the word Yitzhar isn't just the name of a person but actually if you're familiar in Hebrew there are three substances Dagan Tirosh, and Yitzhar Dagan means grain, Hirosh means wine, and Yitzar means oil. Yitzhar means oil. So says the Medrish. The Medrish makes a cryptic comment. Korach said, Moshe, I am I am Sheman. I am I'm oil. And the nature of oil is it right. always rises to the top. I am oil, the son of Yitzar, right? I am oil. How could you, how dare you relegate me? to a low place. I am oil, Korach ben Yitzhar. Is that arrogant? Or is that holy? That seems very strange. Is he the Shem Shamayim, Or is he is he uh, doing something else here? Finally, finally, if you take a look, Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking in defense of himself. So Moshe Rabbeinu says something which you never find Moshe Rabbeinu ever speaking this way ever before and ever again. Page 8.24. Page 8.24, verse 15. Ba'yichar l'moshem o'od. Moshe gets very angry at Dossam and Aviram. Rashi says he felt very pained. Ayomel el Hashem. And he said to Hashem, Al teifen el Chasam, Hashem, do not pay attention to their gifts. Al teifen el minchasam. Do not turn to their gift offering. Lo I didn't I never took anything for myself. I didn't take a single donkey of theirs, I didn't I never wronged any one of them. Isn't that strange? Maybe you, if, if Moshe is speaking to a judge, so you could, if he's speaking to a human being, so I can understand Moshe has to plead the case because you know judges can be they can be sullied, they can be bribed, they can be corrupted, they can have errant judgment. Why does Moshe have to say to Hashem, I'll take them in the Hashem, don't pay attention to their gifts to the gifts of Korach, and to the gifts of Das and Aviram, like as if Hashem heeds the ways of the wicked. What's the Alteifen of the Don't pay attention to them. Don't pay attention to them. So, let's just review some of the questions that we've asked. Let's try to put it together. So first of all, why does Korach get swallowed up? What's the idea of the swallowing up? Um, second of all, what's with this idea when Korach brings together all of these protagonists and he gets, the, and he gets the, the great among them why were they willing to get in to go in with Korach? Why were they willing to go in? How did he have such a Korach to be able to bring them? Certainly there was kina there was jealousy how did he have such a kina? Number three um, what's with this talis with the all of Cheles mezuzah right versus uh, the house of Sifrei Torah What's going on in that in that midrashic idea? Number four, Moshe Rabenu is being accused of doing it by himself. But they know Moshe Rabenu is the no Torah. What do they think? Moshe Rabbeinu is the one, they saw Moshe who was an authentic person. Are we up to number what? Number five? Number five, Moshe says, Moshe says, Al Kate El Hashem, don't listen to their not going to the the before, don't listen to their gifts. Don't pay attention. Why, why do you think that Hashem would pay attention? Number six. Korach says, I'm the son of Yitzar. I'm the, I'm the son of Shemin. I'm oil. Oil rises to the top. What's that about? Number, what are we up to? Seven. Number seven. The Arizal says, Korach. Ah, the heilig of Korach. Sadiq katamar yifrach. The holy Korach. Yeah, he's in the song of Shabbos like the righteous like a day tree blossoms the end of those letters end of those words it's karach very very strange just an interesting so that's seven questions seven questions just one interesting one more interesting point before we try to unravel this whole thing here fascinating fascinating if you take a look I just came across this much of this today take a look um, at page eight twenty. Page eight twenty chapter sixteen verse um, two. came Who were these men? These were the heads of the tribes. These were men that were called for gathering men of great prominence. So, if you take a look at the middle phrase, we saw, according to Rashi, these are from Chevin Reuven, the heads of the tribe. We saw, according to the um, Rabbein some of them were Bechorim, firstborn. So, there's a mix of prominent people. If you take a look at the, at the end of verse 2, it says, mo aid is usually spelled with a yud, but the yud is missing. 3A, if you know what I'm talking about, should be a Yud between the resh and the Aleph. Where's the Yud? Oh. Why is the Yud missing there? So listen to something very interesting. But Go back for one moment to chapter chapter 1, verse 16 in the book of Amidmah. Go back for one moment to chapter 1, verse 16. Here we are introduced to the head of each tribe. To the head of each tribe. And the Torah on page 728 tells us Eileh. Now look how it's spelled here Eileh, It's spelled with a yud Kri'e Ha'eda On page 728, the second line It's spelled with a yud But what, what what do you notice? It's spelled with a yud But how is it read? It's read without the yud Spelled with a yud It's krue. Like the yud is interchanged for a vav So a lot of the commentaries want to say what's with over there, it's spelled without the yud, but it's pronounced with the yud. Here, it's, in the beginning, it's it's spelled with the yud, but it's what? But it's pronounced without the yud. What's going on here? What's, what's with the yud? Without the yud. So the medrash says an amazing thing, an amazing point. That the, these were the heads of the tribe that brought the dedication, that brought the the Hanukkah They dedicated the sacrifices for the altar. These were very prominent people, and the medrash says something shocking. And this really shows us that certainly Korach was much deeper than we can imagine. The Medrash says, Medrash The Medrish Rabbah is found in 18.2. In, in Medrash Rabbah, chapter 18, section 2. Also Medrash Hashuma. The Medrish Rabbah says that among the heads of, among the people that Korach roped in, were, were the heads of the tribes. Now I was wondering, among the heads of the tribes was a member named Nachshon. Nachshon Ben Amin Adav. the famous Nachshon. He's the guy who, like, remember, remember him? What do we know about him? He stepped into the, he stepped into the, right, the uh, Yam right? You're telling me that he also, he also, he also brought into Korah. So in fact, the Medrash tells us that 10 out of the 12, 10 out of the 12 fought into Korach. 10 out of the 12. And two of them that didn't, one of them was Nachshon, and the other one was Shlumi El ben Surishadai. Now, without going into the details, Shlumi El ben Surishadai was, according to many, was the same person as Zimri. And Zimri was later on with Cosby and Zimri with Moshe Rabbeinu, I don't want to go into the details, but it's an interesting thing that follows this is an amazing comment that they point out the commentary known as the Maharzu on the Medrash Rabbah says he says that he says as follows that uh, he says that when in, in the in the word create Ada that we have in Parshas Korach it's missing what? it's missing the Yod why is it missing the oh, Yod? because the Ten the ten heads of tribe had a tremendous decline. They all fell into the trap of Korach. The ten fell into the trap. The same word is used in the beginning of midbar with the Yod but here it's used without the Yod because the ten out of the twelve fell in. Who didn't fall in? Nachshom. Nachshom didn't fall in and, and Shlubiel didn't fall in why they didn't fall in I didn't look into but obviously there's something very compelling about what Korach had to say and the question is what did he have to say? What was his argument? So now let me share with you the beautiful idea of Rav Wilson which really is dovetailed beautifully by the Rabbeinu Bachaye's comment on the talis and the mezuzah so listen carefully very, very fascinating We live in a time, we all know this, we live in a time where there's a lot of blurring of lines. We live in a time where, you know, you're not sure, is this person a man, is this person a woman, you're not sure whether you should have gender-neutral bathrooms, right? We live in a time where the continents are talking to each other in a way that we, we never would have imagined, the global village, right? You can call, you know, you can call your... Local, uh, your local airline, and you'll get somebody in Pakistan, right? You'll uh, you'll you'll try to you know we have we you'll you'll try to figure out based on the area code where the person is calling from, but you know it it has no bearing anymore. And I call three four seven and it's in Ushalayan you know, and you call 052 and it's local. It's so a it's a crazy thing, right? The world is the, the lines are completely blurred. You live in a very and it's and it's, and it's happening with such a rapidity such a so quickly it's incredible it's incredible and last night at 3 in the morning 3 in the morning that's why I was doing this 3 in the morning I I, cause I, I, I need a computer to get there as well, So, a computer I don't really have so I, so I have to buy a computer so I'm here in the base medrash and I buy a computer I order a computer at Best Buy the online Best Buy from my little handheld <laughs> I order this computer I, cl- I clicked through the various things you know to try to order the computer, and uh, it says okay it's now being it's now being packed in uh, being packed in uh, in the Best Buy on Sepulveda Boulevard whatever Fox Hills Malls, I've, I've never been to it before, and and then I get an email from Citibank saying that there's a there's a, a, a potential fraud warning because somebody bought a laptop at three in the morning you know whatever and so you should you know until we rejected the charge. Right, and then I get an email from Best Buy, right, and so that I have to update it twice, and then I get a confirmed email that it's ready, and then I walk in, and I drive to, then I drive to pick it up, and I and I walk in, and say, can I get, you know, have my laptop? Well, not today in the morning, later on today, and I, I and it's all ready, it's all it's under the B, under branded. It's an amazing thing. We live in a world where every, like there are no lines, and and and, and the global economy, um, we own. We all know of people that are making Parnasa very distant from where the Parnasa is happening. It's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. And our Tzadik Cohen says in the pre tzaddik he says that Korach had a very compelling title. Korach says to Moshe Rabbeinu, we know in the future, the Gemara tells us, in the future, Hashem is going to take all the tzaddikim, very famous Gemara Masecha science. He's going to take all the tzaddikim, and He's going to draw a circle around Him. Understand what this means in a moment? All the righteous people of the world, He's going to draw a circle around Him, they're all going to dance around God, and they're going to say, "Ze Hashem Kivin alo. this is the God that we pine for. And Rav Tzadok explained what that means is, that in the future, that dance of the circle not the dance of the square and not the dance of the triangle because the circle we all know the whole essence of the circle is that everybody is on the round everybody has their own unique point but they're all equidistant to the center which means the circle represents the concept of what? the circle represents the concept of everybody being equal there are no classes anymore there are no specific like you're better than me and I'm better than you none of that we're all equal it's all going to be beshavet we're all going to be, there's nobody gonna be more prominent than the other. And in the future, that's going to be what it looks like. And Korach turns to Moshe and he says, How dare you create classes that there'll be Kohanim and there'll be Leviim. We're all keep what does Korach say? The language of the text. The Pashik chapter of the text. What does Korach turn to Moshe? Page 820 by Yikaluah Moshe, verse 3, by Ikaluh Amoshe, not just Korach, he had everybody the same voice. They all, right, they all gathered against Moshe Rav and they said to them, Rav Lachem, you have enough Moshe Rav Kulam Kedoshim We're all holy! Is Korach wrong? He's not wrong. We're all holy. Every Jew is holy. Every human being is holy. As inherent holiness. And everybody has within them Godliness Sounds very egalitarian, no? Mm-hmm. Sounds very compelling tisnasua, kal Hashem. Why, are you, why are you creating class divisions? Rabbi Mebuchayi explains That's the pshat and the muscle Rabbi Mebuchayi says you have, you have 275 sections in the Torah Again, how you get to that number is irrelevant But how many people were, were with Korah? You have 250 heads in Sanhedrin and then you had Korach, and then you had Dathan Bim. It came out to around two seventy five. Again, I get that number exactly. And Ravina Machay says, Ravina Machay says, "Yesh ol mashal al Yisrael." There's a there's a hint here. The hint is kihim shilom letalis shekula tchelis, because Korach was saying that all of Chal Yisrael is like a talis, or bias male svarim. Or well, all the Ka'isu has like a Sefer Torah. Isn't that true? We all know that each one of us has a letter in that Sefer Torah. Right? Ye, the word Yisrael stands for Shish according to the Zohar. Ye shishim Rebo, Osios, La Torah. The letter Yisrael. Yud, Yeish, sh, Shin, Shishim, Reish, Rebo, Osios, letters. La Torah. There are 600,000 letters in the Torah. There are 600,000 Jews. The idea that each Jew is part of the Sefer Torah. So you have a house full of Svarim. So Moshe, you're going to take two, you're going to take two, two, sections and make it more hushed than the rest. You, you got the point, Robert. You're going to take two, you're going to take two sections of the Torah and you're going to put them on the door. What sense does that make? Why are you making them greater than the rest of the Torah? They're greater. You're going to tell me that what? You have a talus that's full of tzeiles, and you're going to ta- you're going to take one string of tzeiles and wrap it around the rest. Ki, ki Yisrael kulam kadoshim, kulam chasuvim. We're all chasim, maleim in amalos, full of tremendous, elevated levels. Lama itzaru la misnaserim, ulam la misnasim aleim. Why do we need to lord over them? Vehim shelhamisnaserim luchot chelos lamazuzah. And therefore, he likened, he likened those that were lording over, coming from Moshe and Aaron, with all the. The Kohanim, the Kohanim Gedol, the Kohim Gadol, Moshe Rabbeinu, they were like the Tchelis and the Mezuzah. You have no right. You have no right to lord over us. We're all holy. Sounds a little bit like uh, some revolutions that we are familiar with in the 1900s. But it's really not so different than the revolutions of today. It just has different forms. Right? You can call it communism. Right? You can call it anarchy. You can call it, you know... Uh, you can call it the movement of the masses right whatever the particular details are it's the masses want to be coveya. they want to establish what's right and there's a certain element of holiness in that it's true there's a tremendous element there's a, we, we relate to it We've, there's a like you think about it's, it's not all wrong think about Tiananmen Square think about China right you know there's a tremendous koach in the rabbin the masses are the masses are tremendous like, they're tremendous kedusha, without a question it's true but it's interesting you know what it says in Pirkei Elvos this point does not remote doesn't make this point but I think it, it just flows very beautifully Pirkei Elvos says what happens when everybody tries to uh, when, when everybody tries to rule that when you know people here might remember some of you might remember I was here the Rodney King rides. I remember the Rodney King writes. It just was like my, inter- my shalom aleichem to Los Angeles. You know, it was like I was a year into L.A. and the Rattie King Rights and I remember I went downstairs to our neighbor to watch on TV what's going on, and I remember FedCo, blessed memory. Wow. Anybody yeah. remember that? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. National Guard. You know, and I remember, I remember very well uh, they were, they, the news stuff. was, inter- they had all these riots, right? All the, the all mass looting. And so one of the news reporters said to a person, who had a, a, a shopping cartload full of stolen items. You know, the shopping cart was also stolen, I guess, you know. <laughs> and also, it, was, it was crazy, it was <laughs> crazy! I showed you, how many people were around during the Rodney King riots here? Okay, what? I was okay. not mm-hmm. Far so East, Central. Yeah, okay, well, you, you weren't so in South Central. We so. watched it in, no, I was in, up north, but we remember we watched it in great school. Right, so like, yeah, yeah I remember, mm-hmm. I was, you know, and... Uh, and I remember they, in the news report, interviewed the, 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 the one of the looters and said, "Excuse me, sir, don't you know that what you're doing is stealing? Yeah. You know, it, you know, how could you do that?" So the guy, without betting, you know, and, and the police were doing nothing. They were just watching. They were doing nothing. They couldn't do anything. They were outnumbered in a massive way, you know. So I remember the guy said, "This isn't stealing. It's all free now." Nobody. <laughs> can not you tell it's all free now right you think like you know we're such a just society like law and order but you know right (laughs) we know what happens if we know what what happens if you have just one or two days of lawlessness where the police don't have control so what does it say so it says in we should always pray for the welfare of the government (laughs) have a mispalel b'sloma shalmalkas you should always pray that the government should be able to maintain law and order. mole o, Because if not, Ish esrei e'u Chaim b'lo'o Man, his fellow man will consume him alive. Ish esrei e'u chayim b'lo'o will destroy each other. What happens? Korach foments a rebellion of the masses. What is the midah keneged midah the measure for measure He's swallowed up alive. The Rishonu Shalom has a particular order in mind. He has a particular. It's true. Korach is correct that in the future there'll be this idea of the equality, which we'll talk about in a deeper level in a moment. But that's not now. That's not now. And the Wilson explains. the Wilson explains so beautifully that that if we go a little bit, a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, that, that Korach wanted what would be in the future to be right now. What Korach really wanted was to bring about this place of the, where everybody's dancing around the Ribbon Shalom, there is no Kohen and Levi in Israel. it's all, we're all equal, the Olam a world of complete and pure spirituality, he wanted that right now. There was a, a holiness in that desire, right? So a utopian society, no, a utopian society. People talk that way, right? You heard of Marx, right? People talk about that, right? So so Moshe Abenu turns to the Ribbono and he says, Hashem, Al tefen el minchasam, don't accept their gifts. Their flower, mincha is the word for gift, but it's also a flower offering. It's a carb, don't accept their carbonos." You know the carbonos come from the community. Anybody know what's interesting about how the community gave the carbonos? How does the whole community bring carbonos? Each one has to bring what? Each one has to bring a certain mm-hmm. amount of money. How much do they bring? Whatever. Each made? one brings what's called oh, an halacha, a half shekel. Oh, the wealthy right. one brings. The, the wealthy one gives a half shekel. And the poor one gives it. Each one gives what? The exact same amount! Because they're all equivalent! The concept of a, words, the concept of a communal offering is coming attractions for the future. So Moshe Armenu turns to Shalom and he says, I'll teifan They they all of together brought carbonos. Hashem, now is you know, I know, now is not the time. There's a koach of the tzibur, there's a koach of a community where there's a certain element of the tzibur where nobody is considered to be greater than the next. It's true. And that's why we have an interesting thing. That that when the Kohanim bring Karbanos, the Levim are singing and the Yisraelim are praying, and it all has to be done at the same time. Kohanim be do, Kohanim ba and Levim where the Yisraelim are praying and the Levi'im are singing and the Kohanim are doing the avodah and it's all done together each one is differentiated differentiated instruction but it's in the same classroom they're all together there's an, element of, there's an element of absolute truth even now where Jews are united without any class distinction that's a very important idea it's a very important idea what's the depth of this idea? That's the depth of this idea. Because on the deepest level, you and I might be very different. The levy and the coin might be very different. And the Bechar might be very different. And Shaivit Ruvein is different than Shaivit yose. But if I recognize that you're a piece of the puzzle and I'm a piece of the puzzle, and together we are matched in each other, we complement each other, then we are able to achieve a unity where my role and your role cannot possibly have or jealousy because I can't live without you and you can't live without me. And this is the deep idea that we say, you might have heard of this concept, Yisrael, the Jewish people, the Torah, Orisa, the Kutchabrichu, and God are all one. What do you mean? God is one in a way that no human being can be one. God is a complete and total unity. There are no... God doesn't have a hand and a leg and a nose and a mouth. as says in the Torah He does, but that's anthropomorphic. We have... God is one and the Jews are one. What does that mean? The answer is that if I act like I'm, I should be acting, and you act like you should be acting, each one of us acting in act to get, and we'll you be acting, then we create a unity which forges a bond which goes well beyond my individual nature. So the individual nature of the human being... Is forged into this incredible unity, such that we are mamish like we are mamish able to be close to Hashem, and that's what's going to be in coming attractions in the future. That we the neshamim of Klal Yisrael are going to be underneath the kisei haKavod, and this is the concept of the next world. We're all united. Exactly how that plays out, I can't mm-hmm. tell you. So, so listen to what what, what, what Wilson says. He says. And it's a little bit different than what, what Rebbe B'chai says, but it's, look how he takes the same concept of the tzitzis and the mezuzah, and look what he says here. He says that the Maral tells us, we know this famous idea, that the number of seven equals what concept? Seven always equals the concept of this world, nature. Nature. Seven is nature, right? So therefore, seven days in a week. Therefore, Hashem created the world in seven days, etc. A lot to say. And what's eight? New, what's eight? Eight is always what? Supernatural. Okay? L'amalabinateva, right? It's always above nature, right? That's why the number 50 is really just the number eight. We've learned that before. It's a seven sevens. Fifty is a, the great fifty is the next world. That's why nobody in this world can ever reach the fiftieth level of being, of understanding, or else it wouldn't be in this world. Right? So eight is Lamala So so that's why, by the way, if a Jew wants to plug into the concept of going beyond his nature, he wears something called tzitzis. Because tzitzis has how many strings? How many strings? Eight, Eight strings. And that's why it's interesting, the ma'arach, this is all the ma'arach, I'm not making this up. The ma'arach says, that's what the Gemara tells us in Menachas, on page 44, I've shared with you the Gemara, that there was, a, there, was a, there was a particular student who was seized by desire, and he was about to have relations in an in inappropriate way with the prostitute without going all the details some of you might remember, it. it took him a long time to get to this prostitute and spent a lot of money and then as he was undressing and he gets hit but the tzitzis hit him remember this? tzitzis hit him and then what happens? he stops what does that mean? what does that mean? so the, so the maral says that tzitzis represent the idea that a Jew in this world can, can overcome nature you can overcome Taiva in this world. You have, sometimes you have to plug into the next world in this world. So he says like this. Now listen, now, now look at this. So he says, so Moshe and Korach have a showdown. What does Korach say? Korach says, Korach says, Moshe says that this, that the tzitzis need to have seven white strings, right? And the eighth string is going to be the blue string, which wraps around the seven. And you know what the blue represents? This is very famous. The Mara says, The, the blue or whatever the color is, remind us of the ocean. The ocean reminds us of the sky, and the sky reminds us of the divine throne. In other words, represents not this world, it represents the world above this world. And when we take the tcheles and we wrap it around the seven, what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying is that, 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 that this world, we have the seven days of nature, we have natural world, and you need someone to lead you and guide you to go above and beyond nature. You need a person to help you. You need a leader. Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, you need a leader. You need somebody to help you. And Korach was saying, no way. Korach says, all eight strings can be glue. Or the whole garment can be blue." What does that represent? No, what does that represent? That we can fast forward the whole thing. We can fast forward the... We can, we can, we can move to a place where there's no differentiation. We can get to a place where what? To a place where... We are all equal in the eyes of the Reboto I am Korach ben Yitzar. Korach says, I am like what? I am like what? What do the members oh. say? I'm oh. like oil. What does the word oil mean, Why, what So what's the Hebrew word for oil? Yeah. Shemen. Shemen is what? Shemen comes from what word? Shmona. Eight. Oh. Shemen represents when you... Shemen represents that when... Shemen is... Shemen... Is the idea that a Jew, a Jew, Korah understood that he, he had, I am Shemen Ved Yitzar, that, I, I, that, that we can fast forward, we can take all of the Helev and that are in Kalay Yisrael now, the Dora midbar, the Dora that received the Torah. And of course they knew that Moshe was the one that gave the Torah, but they wanted to move it quicker, they wanted to move it quickly along. The Arizal says, Sadi Katamar Yifrach. Sadiq Katama Yifrach The end of those letters is Korach. end of those letters are like Korach. What's that about? Because that's in the Psalm of Shabbos. That's the Psalm of Shabbos. We have many times explained that Shabbos is really a glimpse of the next world. Shabbos is called Me'in Olam Habah. That that's Korach's vision of everybody being totally equivalent and equal is the correct vision for the next world. In this world, it's differentiated. In this world, there has to be you have a rebbe. In this world, you have a different role than I have. Shalom Sani Gut, shalom Sani avet, shalom asani isha. A little bit controversial, right? Right. Each one, the Kohen is not the lady, is not the Melech. Each one is a different role, and therefore, Rev. Wolfson explains that if you again, we didn't even talk about this so much, but but if you look, you'll see that. Remember when they contested Korach, when they contested Aaron and Kohen? Aaron was the Kohen Gadol. What was the sign that Aaron was the real? What was the sign that Aaron was the real one? He took his stick, and they put his, st- they put his stick in the, in the in the in the in the Mishkan, in the Ohel Moed, and the stick flowered. The stick flowered. What's that about? Because not everyone is going to flower in the Holy of Holies. Only the Kohen Gadol stick. Was going to flower in the Holy of Holies because everybody has to get exactly what they need. Sadik, Katamar Yifrach. The Sadik is, if you look at the text of Mishmar Shil Yom HaShabbos, what it's saying is as follows: It's saying that that the, if you look in the Psalm ninety two, it says the tzaddik, he 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 blossoms like the Tamar, the day tree ke'erez known yeske like the cedar of Lebanon in other words, shesuvim beveis Hashem you planted in the house of God the chatzros elokeinu yafrichu even though it's planted in the house of God but nevertheless the shoots or the development happens outside the chatzros elokeinu yafrichu in the courtyard, in other words in the calling Gadol, his place is inside but but Korach, or the Levi, or other Jews, their place is outside. The tzaddik is katomar yifrach, the righteous person, he will be like the day tree. The day tree is not going to plant it in the house of God. It's going to, it's going to flower outside the house of God. What's the concept of, of, of the tikkun of Korach? What's the concept of of the response to Korach it's that the lady should be doing what he's doing and the coin should be doing what he's doing and the Yisrael should be doing what he's doing and each one of them when they're doing what they're doing will ultimately be ultimately speaking they will come together in this tremendous achdos in this tremendous unity and therefore what? and therefore I know like today was was like a little bit not so much rooted in the text it's more like machshavah, but it's very very beautiful and therefore when um, and therefore when Moshe Rabenu, wants to counter, Moshe Rabbeinu wants to counter Korach and his rebellion. Moshe Abenu has to tell Hashem, "Al al El Hashem, their gift, like their their desire to be unified, that's not the time yet. You you have taught me that's not the time yet. It's going to come, but it's not the time yet. It's going, be, it's going to be in the future, but it's not yet happening. It's not re- yet ready. I, when, I re- when, I read, when I read this beautiful idea of Rav Wolfson, you know, I really, it really gave me a lot of clarity of what's going on in the world today. As I mentioned before, there's a, there's, there's a ruach, there's a, there's a, 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 there are winds in the world. We have to be sensitive to what's going on. Of a, as I mentioned in a moment ago, earlier, where everything is blurred. Everything is blurred. You know, that that you and I are, there's really no difference. This whole idea of the gender neutral, what's that? Where's where's the Ruach coming from? Of course we know it's wrong, but where's the Ruach coming from? It's coming from a place of wanting, I think it's coming from a place of, a piece of it, of, of, of wanting, there to be this complete and total equality among everybody and on some level that, that's a spiritual the spiritual kolach the spiritual kolach I want to I want to leave you with one comment to the Ramban and I want to leave you with a story the Ramban in the famous the famous letter it talks about how a Jew should conduct himself on a daily basis the letter he wrote to his son he says that if you want to, if you want to always be humble, he says you have to be able to look at every at another Jew and consider him to be greater than you. You have to look at another Jew, any not, not just one Jew. Any Jew you meet, you have to look at that Jew and say he's greater than me. So when you read that Ramban, you think to yourself. Okay, I can see that, you know, 10% of the people, 50% of the people, 80% of the people, right? But the truth is, if you think about it, a little bit of challenge, not homework, a little bit of challenge. Go around the room. Again, okay, we're, not, we're not doing this, but you, can, you know what I'm saying. Each person has a certain dekhina, a certain aspect of greatness that the other person doesn't possess. So, in that respect, in that respect, if I'm able to find, isolate, pick out the godless of that individual, so I'm able to create a tremendous achdus because I can say, I need that person. Because he or she has a certain tchut, they're more patient than me, you know, they're uh, more of generous spirit. They, they love children more than me. They doubt them better than me. They learn better than me. They have more Zerisus better than me. Like you can, there's always something you can choose, right? He he likes food better than me. He likes food less than me. Whatever. You can always find something. So that's, that's the Ruach of Korach. The Ruach of Korach is the Ruach of being able... To find a place of greatness for each person. And there's something very holy in that endeavor. The problem with the Shitta of Korach is that it doesn't take into account that a Baruch Hu before the world of Tikkun, before the world of the is being in the Kisei Kabul, it doesn't take into account that I need to learn from a Rebbe. I need to learn from people that are authentically closer than me. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, who represents the Mesorah, and is assaulted by Korach and his men, Moshe Rabbeinu is the fulcrum, the focal point of their ire, because Moshe Rabbeinu it says, no, you need to have a mezuzah, even if you have a, a house full of Sifrei Torah. Because the mezuzah, shall we say, has in it Shema V'ahavta and V'hoya Im Shamoah. The mezuzah has the overarching messages The mezuzah has within it the unbelievable koach of reminding us what it's all about. The mezuzah is the bigger picture. Even within mitzvot, there are mitzvot that we have to die for. We have to give up our life. not, Not all mitzvot are created equal. So it's this interesting combination of on the one hand we have a certain aspect of greatness where each person the ruach of all, each person coming together. On the other hand I cannot blur the lines. I have to recognize each person flowers in a different muckum in a different place. Something very powerful that I that I, do. I, haven't, I haven't processed it fully, but it, it's something very, very beautiful. Let me leave you with this, though. Let me leave you with this story. And, uh, and then Rabbi will say, the shir will continue, but I will, I uh, will be in Yushalayim, but uh, Rabbi Stern and Matichai and others to be the shir. I'll leave you with this. One of my favorite stories in the world. Ron Eisenman tells a story of a walking home from school, and he sees a little girl, five or six years old, wearing a brand new pleated blue skirt. You know, like that the kid is going to first grade. On her back was a large weighted object that caused her back to bend to such an extent that she had to walk hunched over. You know, know, the, the knapsacks with the heavy books. Her eyes, were, her eyes and face said it all. Her eyes were bright and excited, while simultaneously fearful of the unknown. She smiled, but her smile was one of anticipation, mixed with a healthy dose of uncertainty as to what the day would bring. There was no doubt that she was a first grader on her way to begin her school career. As a former first grader and a former teacher, I can guess the contents of her heavy knapsack, brand new notebooks with many number two pencils, blue colored pens and markers. The little girl ran quickly into the, to the passenger side of her father's suburban and disappeared into the vehicle. I stood there mentally predicting that her first day at school, she would meet her mora, who would explain the difference between first grade and pre-1A. The mora would say, you are now big girls. You are no longer little girls who play the entire day. Our little friend would have butterflies in her stomach, as she would wonder, how would she manage such a big school? She would look at the other girls and think, well, I have friends. Do, all the girl, do the girls all have friends already from pre-1A? Will they accept me? Am I wearing my hair the proper way? Are these girls clicky? Will the mower be nice of me? Will I have friends? For how, long I, will, for how long will our little natal be able to maintain her pristine innocence? Will she become jaded and cynical? Will she be inspired, Or will she be inspired to go on to inspire others? Will she be comforted by her teachers? Or will she be distanced and turned off by them? Many questions. However, for today, as I watched the little princess make her way to her father's car... I doubted that she received the nurturing and cultivating environment that she and all of us desperately need to achieve success. And I did something else, something which was not planned nor predicted. I cried. I cried as I thought of all the young men and women who have lost their pristine sheen. I cried when I thought of all the beautiful children who went to first grade with the same smile, anticipation and hope as this little princess only to have their hopes and dreams smashed and destroyed. I cried for all of the precious nishamas who no longer arise in the morning with the feeling of purpose and hope. I cry for all the young people who in the morning wait for the night and in the night agonize about the coming of the day. I cry for the smiles that have never been erased that have been erased from their once hopeful faces. I cried for their innocence and hopes and dreams which were dashed. I doubt them that all of our precious children should have their hopes and aspirations fulfilled, that their dreams be accomplished and most importantly that they never have to ask themselves will I have friends. Korach and his Hevra, that came from holy places and were jealous of everybody that weren't like them and created divisions and created separation and lived in a world where you are different than me and therefore you can't like me and therefore you can't give to me and therefore I have to be separate. Korach who thought that the world has to be this one undifferentiated mass the Korachs of the world that felt the... I don't, I don't know. Start, what would you start? Let me start. I, I come in a minute. The Korachs of the, the of the world that thought the only way to achieve this tremendous... The only way to achieve this tremendous... This tremendous achdus is that we should all be the same. That's, that's a big taus. That's a big mistake in this world. In this world, my being different than you... And my separation from you does not have to require kina jealousy. The kinna that enveloped korach, that, that that's the that's the synthesis. The korach that's enveloped by kinah because it can't see my difference and your difference to be healthy, but viewed only in a separate manner that I can't gain from you. That the calling and the lay you have to fight for the covenant that if I'm able to see why you're greater than me and and I'm greater than you, then we can create a tremendous afters and I can learn from you and I can have a Rebbe and he can teach me and Lamaisa, the Rebbe, can learn from the Talmud as well. Shem to give each and every one of us the ability to live a life where we can respect each other's differences, to appreciate that there are great people in the world, to appreciate that they can learn from us and we can learn from them. At the end of the day, we are hoping to get to that place where where we are all equal. But until that point, we have to recognize the great people among us and be able to, as Hashem, to grow and become greater ourselves. Have a wonderful and beautiful night. Thank you and come. Thank you very well. much. Thank you very much. I hope to die. so I'm going I'm great. Goodbye, thank you. Well, I think he's very awesome.